Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I feel like we're becoming the BBL generation. Like if we were in the Bible and people had to read our chapter, like after Revelation, it would say BBL. <laughs> because they'll like hear me out. Because we are slowly but surely starting to look the same. We want to talk the same. We want to uh, have our bodies resemble the same. We want our hairstyles to be the same. We want, and again, most of that is culture. Most of that is, you know, is just the norm within our particular vicinity. But a lot of that is like, really? Why do you want to be something that you are not naturally? Why do you want to wear a costume? Why do you want to pretend like those things interest you when they don't? Why do you want to turn up and do YOLO and all these other stuff just because you want to be an influencer or you don't want to appear as mundane as your life appears you know heaven forbid you appear boring who no one gets those likes being having a boring regular life and it's just this it's almost like it's a toss-up between both parties either you're a part of the side a of the tape where it's bbl generation or you're on the side of the b side of the tape where you are trying to be the polar opposite, but then it's still in trying to be the polar opposite, you're still not getting to yourself. Because I think the one thing that we have not truly come to terms with is we innately want to belong. God has given us an innate sense to want to belong. We want to be a part of a family group. We want to be a part of people who care about us. We want to care about other people. And I think that the basis of the belonging is not necessarily acceptance. It's just being comfortable around a group of people who accept us to the full extent. Like if we have to belong to a people group, but we have to pretend to be something else, then that is not the acceptance that anyone should be striving for. And I feel like when we look at other people's body shapes or we look at people's spiritual gifts or how God may have shaped them in their characteristic and personality, we start to admire the opposites of us and then slowly look at parts of us like, well, I don't like this part. And then you try to contort it and perform this cosmetic surgery inwardly because you've seen something externally that you admire. And instead of just looking at that and going, man, I love that for you and keep it moving. You say, man, I wonder what it would be like to be you. And then you start to contort yourself, whether you know it or not, you do. There's a person at the job that they speak a certain way. They carry themselves a certain way and you admire that. So you try to be more like that. Or you see someone in your neighborhood or someone in your family or someone in your friend group and they have a characteristic that's really admirable. So then you try to go ahead and adapt to that. Or you see the way that someone mothers or you see the way that someone wives or husbands or someone the way that they run business. And even though you don't want to admit it, where you're like, I'm cool. I'm not trying to be like nobody. I'm telling you now, if you don't have a good filter on the perspective and lens that you have on life, you will not realize that your admiration for someone, admiration for someone is slowly turning into envy and jealousy because jealousy 
un unlike what the people have been calling it, jealousy is wanting something that someone else has. Yeah, we misconstrue that when we actually are in a relationship and we don't like that other people are getting closer to our person. And it's like, well, you can't be jealous. No, 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 I'm not jealous. Jealous is somebody getting close to something that is theirs. I don't want nobody getting close to what's mine. That's the difference. So the correct term that we have been misusing for jealousy is wanting what someone else has. Man, look at Jay-Z and Beyonce. They're the power couple. That's what I'm trying to have. And then you try to emulate something that you, you first admired, but now you're trying to emulate it. You admired someone's house. Now you're trying to emulate it. You admire someone's corporate climb. Now you're trying to emulate it. And you don't realize that emulating is is particularly eliminating your customization and special uniqueness. You cannot emulate someone else and still keep what God put in you. You would have to take on another person's personality, their blueprint, the way that they do certain things. And when you do that, you slowly erase the plan that God has for your life because you wanted to pretend and be in somebody else's. You can't do that. I remember literally being in middle school trying to squeeze my feet in sizes that were four sizes too small because I didn't realize that God made me tall with a long foot. And that girl spurt hit something uh, ridiculous in middle school, but it didn't hit my best friend like that because she was 4'11 with a size three foot. And here I am taller than that with a size going over eight. And I'm like, oh, I need to do something. Thank God that when I was in middle school, the bagginess was in. So I was squeezing my foot in sneakers that were too small, hanging my foot off of the back of the sneaker and having the baggy pants cover it up. Because I admired how cute her foot looked, how cute she, she was able to just go in, go look at the display. And when she put her shoe on, it looked a lot like the display. I put my shoe on and I was like, it don't really look the same. It looks, it looked the same to you. And I started to feel uncomfortable. And I think that when that seed is first planted for most of us, it's in school age, impressionable years. But if it's not honed in on, snatched out, and kind of making you forced to look at, I want you to be able to separate between admiring what somebody else has while you love what God gave you. And I wish that somebody would have came along and taught me the audacity to be unique, the audacity to be me. The audacity to walk out God's completed plan and perfected plan for my life. And it's amazing to me that in this BBL generation, both emotionally, spiritually, it's like whatever's trending, that's what people want to do. And it's weird to me because the people that we actually admire and truly love and kind of like gravitate to, they're different. Why do you think everybody loves Tabitha Brown? She doesn't look like anything that we've seen before. This woman has natural hair. She has a Southern accent. She is married. She doesn't dress sexy. She dresses out the norm in her own Tabitha Brown way. She's a vegan. She's a mother. Everything that culture says, this is what sells. This is what's going to get you to the, the views and the streams. And this is what is going to get your stuff to sell. She has done the polar opposite. 
I don't know if Tab has tattoos. Like, we don't know anything of the sort of her body and unless she's on vacation or something to that degree and then she takes modest pictures. But we literally gravitate toward the people who are different. Why do you think so many people love Toby New England? He's different. How many other rappers outside of Andre 3000 don't dress like the average air quote rapper? I've never seen a uh, Toby with no shirt off and we've seen him. He posts his stuff when he's boxing and when he's working out and he may have even put up pictures and stuff when he was in the football league. But like literally he does not look like like you can point him out in the lineup of like-minded or similar rappers. He looks different. Why do you think people have loved Erica Badu? Like we, it's amazing. We don't even realize that we crave different. And at the same time, we also want to be the same. That's weird. And it should be a red flag like nobody else. I found that I naturally am inclined to gravitate toward people who go against the grain. Because in this particular season of my life, I am intrigued by people who win their way. Let me tell you where this came from also. I had a couple of months ago, went to Hibachi and had some shrimp tempura. And I was like, this is delicious. And I, and I was craving it here and there, thereafter. But Hibachi is a, it's in the boondies compared to where I'm at. And who's driving to just go get that? But there's this restaurant that's a little closer to me called Little Tokyo, which to me looks like the sister cousin to Hibachi because they have the little thing that you can cook like in front of you, that kind of thing. Yeah, so it looks to me like, you know, baby Hibachi. So I went ahead and called one day. It was like two. I went and looked it up and I was like, why does it say they get ready to close at 2.30 p.m.? So I went ahead and called about 2.00ish like before 2.20 and I was like, hi, can I go ahead and place a to-go order? She picked up the phone. Hello, real nice. I was like, hey there, <laughs> want to place a to-go order? And she said the following, no, ma'am. And let that awkward silence sit right there. And so I was looking at the phone to make sure the timer was still going on. Like, did she hang up? And her next statement was, we open back up at five. Okay, thank you. And she hung up. I said, ma'am no you didn't and so I was already in the neighborhood and I was running errands so I just so happened to drive past it and I was like yo they really do close at 2 30 like their their parking lot was completely emptied so that kind of got my attention so later on that night I was talking to my husband we were going through our day and I was like yo I really admire the fact that other cultures do things differently like when I researched and did like an in-depth, like it really took me down a rabbit hole that other countries really take lunch breaks seriously. Like they require and they allow their employees to break and go home, eat, take a nap, do whatever they need to do, get refreshed, then you come back. And so I was like, man, I really love that. Maybe that's why, you know, certain cultures just appear to be naturally just a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more stressed. So I started looking up stuff to see like, okay, where does the United States fall with the level of stress? When I tell you that we are up on that list, like I would have been proud if it was an Olympic gold medal situation, but I'm a little embarrassed that we are so stressed. Why? Because we don't take breaking from work in any kind of capacity. We don't take that seriously. People don't take their lunch breaks. People don't take 
take the day off when they need it. People don't take their uh, sick days like they need it. People don't take their vacation days. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. So that kind of got my attention after having a conversation with someone. But you know what? When I hung up from her and she hit me with the listen, we be back open at five. You have a nice day. I took my nice day. And guess what? She didn't catch me slipping because I tell you what, <laughs> the following day, guess what grandbaby was up there um, pronto, okay, before the 2, before the 30. Yes, she is, okay, and I'm looking around like, mm, nobody else knows what I know because y'all are walking past here and <laughs> they finna close at 2.30. And I had this little impression on my soul, like, ask this lady why they close at 2.30, so she went ahead and gave me my order and was like, thank you. But I said, quick question for you. Why do you close at 2.30? And without skipping a beat, she was like, oh, because I have to go pick up my children. And then I go home. But we open back up at 5. And I placed my hand on my heart. I said, wow, that is truly inspiring. She was like, yeah, we've always done it. I said, you've always done this. She said, yeah, and we've been open for 16 years. I said, I'm sorry, did you say one six? She said, yeah. I said, yo. I said, ma'am, you have given me a mouthful. I am truly impressed. You have inspired me, and that is all I, like, you gave me more than my fair share. We had our little jokey jokes. I left, and I got in the car, and I was like, I vow to myself to have the audacity to do things the way that I am wired and feel my most innately comfortable to do so. I will not pursue another path, another task, another relationship, another friendship, another anything if it goes outside of what I naturally feel driven to do. I thought to myself, I'm like, yo, I wonder what dude that started the Chick-fil-A, like how he felt telling them like, yo, here's the game plan. We're going to sell only chicken. Yeah, I'm sure they was that quiet in the, in the room. Like, uh, chicken. Like, chicken. Are we going to, like, marinate it? Oh, no, it's going to be two ways. Fry the grill. You have a nice day on everything else. I, I don't got the, <laughs> I don't have the expertise with that. We can fry it. We can grill it. And then they can decide how they want, what kind of bun they want. I don't know. I'm sorry. We're getting ready to open up a restaurant to do what? To be the number one chicken. But you know that McDonald's, you do know that Wendy, but you do know that Taco you do. I'm sure that was a little bit like, okay, he's really um, stepping out and doing something that's a little bit extra. Oh, but that's not all. Hey, we're also going to make sure that we're never open on Sunday. I'm sorry, <laughs> sir. I looked up a study some time ago, and I said this to you before, and it's worth repeating. The billions that this man would bring in if he just decided to open up one to two of the Sundays a month. And the fact that he looked at that like, and the answer is still no. I'm going to have the audacity to believe wholeheartedly that if God placed that in my heart, if it feels wrong to me, I don't care what the world says. I'm not interested. I'm not opening. Kanye can make up all the, the, the songs he want. <laughs> You're my Chick-fil-A. Whatever it is. Have a nice day. He's not opening, sir. <laughs> okay. Uh, Y'all can go ahead and line up if you want and then forget and be like, dang, after church. It is Sunday, isn't it? Right. You can crave it if you want. We won't be there. I love the fact that this woman was like, listen, I have responsibilities. 
So it, it is my desire to be a businesswoman, but to still be the woman that can turn into mom in a drop of a hat. I will be there at the car pickup. I will be there to do homework. I will be there to feed them. I will be there to wash them up and put their pajamas on. And then I'll go ahead and say, okay, well, mommy's going to see you in a little bit, okay? And so when you go to sleep, I'll be up here so that you can go ahead and uh, get ready for school in the morning. Because she made it clear, the one thing that will not happen is uh, that she got to pick between being a businesswoman and a mother, and she shouldn't have to. If God placed both on her heart, why can't she have both? Yeah, have a nice day. I literally started driving around and looking at certain restaurants and things in the neighborhood, and I don't know why in certain counties down here in Georgia that literally some establishments are not open on Monday. So this one particular Italian restaurant, I was like, Tom out, I need to see these people are not only closed on Monday, they are only open Tuesday, Wednesday, and I believe it's Friday and Saturday. And to top it off, they literally do not open until 3.30 p.m. And it's like, I'm sorry. How did you make a schedule that somebody literally has to look up when they can go eat at your restaurant and you still in business? And I love the fact that people are literally screaming from the the mountaintops of their soul. The external is not going to change me because if I change for the external, then I'm going to suffer internally. I'm not going to contort myself, my business, my my gifts, my calling, my purpose for everyone else if I'm going to be the only one that suffers from that contorting. I don't want to do it. If I don't want to go live to to get a particular group of people to like me and get a brand, then I don't want to do that. If I don't want to dress this way because it makes me feel exposed, it makes me feel uncomfortable, but you're like, hey, sex sells, then guess what? I can't sell that then. Like it's going to get to a point that people are going to have to stand in the center of being or audacious, having the audacity to be them and only them, no questions asked. So I went ahead and I looked up what the word audacity even means. And to my, uh, beyond to me, it was two definitions. Both are now. So the new Oxford American dictionaries and the bishops thereof over there, the first one says a willingness to take bold risk. The second one says rude or disrespectful behavior imprudence. And Here's the thing. I went ahead again, just real quick, and I looked it up on MerriamWebster.com. And her definition says, a bold and daring quality that is sometimes shocking or rude. And here's the thing, what people don't understand. Because it should be easy to be yourself. But it's not easy to be yourself around people who don't want to experience that. So while I think that everyone is trying to go for the first part of the definition, everyone wants to go ahead and have a willingness to take bold risk. Everyone wants a bold and daring quality, but what they're trying to prevent is the other side of that same definition, which is the first one is being rude or disrespectful behavior or sometimes shocking or rude, like Merriam Webster said. And it's like, you're going to have to choose who loses. 
Because literally, this is two sides of the same definition. This is two sides of the same word. This is two sides to an outcome that you got to choose. You're either going to choose to take both risks and be authentically you and be have the audacity to stand firm in that, or you are going to try to contort it because you don't want to come off as rude, shocking, or disrespectful. Why? I'm sure Chick-fil-A shocked the people in his group like, bro, you taking a risk. I don't know if I can invest in this financially because it already sound like we lost. I ain't going to hold you. I am sure that when if somebody else was to call, as a matter of fact, when I went up to Little Tokyo and I got my order, there was a man walking in. And by the time that I got my order and walked to my car, he was walking back out. I'm sure he felt like it was rude or disrespectful that he's hungry, but he got to turn back around because y'all closed at 2.30, but guess Guess what? It's a it's the audacity for me. It's the audacity to stand firm. Like, listen, and I understand your hunger, but if you can hold it to five o'clock, you'll be hungry no more, though. <laughs> it's not like she's opening back up in 30 minutes. It's not like she's opening up back in two hours. This woman says, see you at five o'clock. Because the joy of filling and fulfilling her first ministry, which is home. It's more fulfilling than her making extra money with people who are hungry. Like you really got to look at that. Like, it's not like she would be opening up for free. It's not even like she can't hire somebody in the time being and say, Hey, maybe somebody can cover being the owner of this restaurant while I go. But she said, no, God gave me these children and God gave me this business. And I want to make sure that I'm being a good steward over both of them. Because what I don't want is to be home with my kids. And if somebody from the restaurant calls and they're like, Real quick question, I got a question for you in regards to the customer or quick question. There's something happening with the shortage on blah, blah, blah. And now you're still pulling her. And her whole point was I left so I can be with my children from 2.30 to 5.00. And so sometimes in order to really stand in your audacity, to be audacious, you're going to have to sacrifice something. Something that if you're really honest, is meaningful, but it's not fulfilling to you. Yeah, billions would have been dope. But what's a billion to a millionaire? Like, I mean, it's cool, but like, I don't need it. And if it makes me feel peaceful to know that the entire Sunday, I don't just get off, but I make it a declaration that everybody who works for Chick-fil-A, they have off, then that is my contribution to giving everybody an opportunity to worship in the way that they see fit. This man said, this fills my soul more than the money that will fill my bank account. I'm not interested. And he could have just made it a clause where he just has off. And he was like, nope, everybody. The woman in Little Tokyo could have made it where she's just off. She could have turned her phone off. Nobody called me. It was, nope, I'm giving everybody a break. Because in their culture, in certain communities, Asian and in Hispanics, I was reading some of the stuff that they did in certain areas. I think also in Finland and some other places, I was like, you guys are ahead of your game. They allow people to go home to have their lunches because they understand the power of refilling your soul before you come back to work. 
And I said, I, I love the fact that this woman said, I don't care if I'm in my homeland or if I'm in your land, but what I'm always going to do is carry out what means something to me. I have the audacity to say that I can fulfill my tradition. I can fulfill my particular goals and things that I want to do. I can fulfill that anywhere I'm at. And I don't care if it makes sense to y'all. I don't care if y'all never heard a restaurant doing that ever. And in the places that she's at, she's in a freaking midst of a shopping center with other restaurants around and still was like, that's cool. But guess what? In business 16 years and I'll go another 16 years and I'm not folding because she has the audacity to carry that out. I said, yo, I'm inspired. I'm ins- I wish somebody would tell me that they can't win because comma. I-, I wish somebody would. It don't make no sense for you not to win the way that you see fit. You don't have to explain it to nobody else. I am sure that if she went to the bank and was like, but these are going to be my hours, they were going to be like, oh. Well, we don't really do that here. Yeah, I understand what y'all don't do, but I'm letting you know what's going to happen here. So she probably had to fund herself. She probably had to do some other stuff. But I'm telling you now, what I'm starting to see when it comes to being audacious is you literally have to look square in the eyes of an opportunity and say, but you don't feed me. And so if I don't feel fulfilled carrying this out, I'm not pretending For what always looks like the end result is more influence or more money. What what if I'm not interested? Ever thought about that? So I started thinking about just standing in that, no matter what it looks like to other people. And I immediately started thinking about David. Not necessarily when he did the brave thing with Goliath and he put on the armor of Saul and was like, eh, I'm I'm not used to that. I'm so glad that he stood in the center of his authenticity and was like, nah, this is not it. But it was more so of what happened in 2 Samuel 6. Now, to give you a little bit of backdrop, David was having a hard time bringing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord back home. It was like, I do not know what to do. <laughs> Sir, I am, I don't really know. To, like, can you tell me what to do? So I kind of want to give a backdrop on, uh, let's see, 2 Samuel chapter six, I'm going to go verse nine. So David was now afraid of the Lord. And he asked, can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? 10. So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed idiom of Gath. 11. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed idiom's house for three months and the Lord blessed Obed idiom and his entire household. 12. Then David was told the Lord has blessed Obed idiom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went there and bought the ark of God from the house of Obed idiom to the city of David with a great celebration. 13. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened cow. 14. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing a priestly garment. 15. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of the ram's horns. Pause. So David is like super excited because at one point he didn't know what to do. He was like, God, I'm not really clear on what to do. So he had to make the choice of, bro, if you don't know what to do, pause. And there's something in that. When there is something that is happening and you literally don't know what the next steps are, maybe God's just wanting you to say, la, pause in that particular moment. 
So David's pause was a little bit extended because it took three months. He's like, yo, this is ridiculous. But when word got back to him, like, yo, whatever you did worked. Why? Because the fruit thereof. How do you know the pause works? Because of the fruit thereof. The fruit of David pausing for three months. God blessed the household of another man. It was like, okay, so now it shows that God is not upset no more. We can go ahead and go get him back. And David is dancing and he's doing all the things and he's super excited. Let's find out what happens after that. 16. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michelle, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. 17. They bought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. 18. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. 19. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread and a cake of dates and a cake of raisins. Then all the people returned to their homes. 20. When David returned to home to bless his own family, Michelle, but it's spelled like Michal, the daughter of Saul came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. 21. Clap back, David. Okay, 21. David retorted to Michelle. I was dancing. Hold on, pause. When you hear this, like, I want you to know he had his head tilted because he was like, first of all, but he was in King James, so he didn't know how to say that. So 21, clap back. Okay, 21. Because it gets good. Like, the Bible got juice. Like, I need you to know, like, it's tea. It's like, it's limping. It's giving very much ginger. Like, okay, 21. David retorted to Michelle, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. 22. Yes, I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. 23. So Michelle the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. Yo, clap back! David, 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 What? Buddy said, let me explain something to you. I know the definition of the audacity. I know a grandbaby a couple of centuries and decades and all that stuff from now is going to read the definition. Let me tell you something. I'm willing to be bold even if it looks rude to y'all. I'm willing to be bold and excited. I'm willing to be all of that if it looks disgusting to y'all. I'm willing to be all that. But guess what? You don't understand what I'm coming from. You don't understand what God just went ahead and did for us. You don't understand certain things that are affecting me a certain way. So what I'm not going to do is change the way that I express my gratefulness because you're disgusting. Guess what? Very distinguished, ma'am. I said, David, you cursed her out without using curse words. Like you, let me tell you something, sir. 
You read her. I'm talking about you said, let's turn to 2 Samuel 6, <laughs> um, verse 21. And I'm talking about you read her to the point that it was mic drop. It was like, I'm sorry, sir, what? The chapter ends with saying, and little little mama remained childless throughout her entire life. Sir, you was like, just because you had something to say on an area of my life that means the most to me, I'm never touching you because you didn't understand when something was touching me. Something was touching my soul. Something was getting to me. You didn't even notice how it was infecting me because if you knew how negative it was impacting me, you would know why I danced to this capacity. You would have known, but because you want to stand outside your window and just watch, because you want to be a watch me girl, watch everybody else have babies but you, ma'am. David, you didn't have to hear her generationally though. Like, <laughs> I got to read it again because when I tell you this is how I get my gossip because it's, it's biblical, okay? It's the gospel, but it got a little bit of juice in it. I want to read it again. 21, David retorted. No, let's go back to what she said because she thought she had it. She thought she read. Oh, you thought you did that. Oh, you thought you went off, sis? Watch how he go off on you. So she was like, mm, let me go ahead and give him a little something and I'm going to hit him with something light, something, nothing too heavy. 20, when David returned home to bless his own family, because he was coming in to give you some blessings, okay? He was coming in to give you something that you ain't had before, but you opened your mouth too fast. God bless you and that's the word right there. So when David returned home to bless his own family, Michelle, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today. Pause. I feel like she's looking at her nails like, mm, let me not even look at you. Let me just show you that I'm disgusted. So go back. How distinguished, looking at her nails, the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant's girl like any vulgar person might do. Oh, you brought up the fact that he's king. You brought up the fact that he should look distinguished. You brought up the fact that he looks shameless. You brought up the fact that he exposed himself to little girls. You, you, ooh, you thought you went off. You thought you did that. Like, mm, I thought you felt good about it. And David didn't even let you swallow the rest of your spit before he, uh, the Bible says David retorted, which means he was right up on you. <laughs> no, you don't got to turn around. I got something for you. I was dancing before the Lord who came, who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel. Where's the DJ? Okay. Um, he appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. 22. Yes. And I'm willing to look even more foolish than this even to be humiliated in my own eyes. <laughs> but those servant girls you mentioned, they will indeed think I'm distinguished. David, what you trying to say? David, are you being fresh? David, what you mean like distinct? David, come here. Come here. When you said that to her, what you was, what you was trying to say? David, that's fresh. David, no, sir, you didn't have to do that. But it, but I see what you did. You was being petty because she used the word and she said it. So you only gave her back. I see what you did. That was petty, but that was, I go, I tell you in heaven, we'll, we'll talk later. Okay. My mansion. I don't know yet, but we'll talk like, and then you might drop on her because guess what? 
Because you had to say something about something that you shouldn't have had no say about, you'll never be able to uh, say anything else to anybody else's child again. Guess what? You won't have no kids. <sighs> the audacity to be you. The audacity to stand firm. No matter what your external environment looks like, no matter what the people around you look like, no matter their caliber, no matter their title, no matter what it is, as long as you are being true to you, you already one. Have the audacity to be you. I triple dog dare you. The audacity. The audacity. I pray we're taught that you remember David all your days. <laughs> Buddy was like, okay. And guess what? Very distinguished. Ooh, David, I can't. I, I'm going to be talking about that once I get off the phone with you. But um, my challenge to you, you should already know it at this point. Like, yo, bump with them people them folks are talking about, sir, ma'am. L- listen, come here. Get close. Cl- closer, closer. Yeah, I want to feel breath on my ear. Listen. Tell these folks have a nice day. Because if they have a nice day, then you can't have a nice day. Listen, somebody got to have a nice day. I choose you. You make yourself a Pikachu, do something. You understand? But what we not getting ready to do is continue to live a life where everybody's comfortable, everybody understands, everybody. We don't want a life of chaos, but I also don't want to contort myself for your comfort. I'm not interested. And as long as I'm standing in right morals with God, as long as I'm standing in the midst of God's perfect plan and I'm aligned with my actions, I don't care which part of the definition you want to take in reference to for the word audacity, but I'm going to go ahead and choose the boldness. You can go ahead and take over the rude and disappointed and whatever else. I have no control over how you want to look at my authenticity, but I will have the audacity to be just that. The audacity. Audacity. <laughs> it's like that um, Jim Carrey meme with the, the Grinch. The audacity. That's what I want you to see. And that's what I'm in with. Uh, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. You know what these conversations are, right? Yeah, you do. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who your favorite homegirl. You need to know the website at this point. Created the number two, multiply.com, the Patreon strive the letter in inspired and i'm gonna do something different i'm gonna go ahead and end it off with david because if not him then who okay 21 david retorted to michelle i was dancing before the lord who chose me above your father and his family because he was a little bit ghetto he appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord 22. Yes. And I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. The audacity. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. We talk later. Okay. <laughs> Yo, the audacity, David. <laughs> later.